You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to day two of the World Cup Minute. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Fantastic. They told me it was going to be like this, Josh. It was going to be highly emotional. The U.S. is back in the World <laughs> Cup. You know, they were back. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's been eight, eight years in the making. And uh, I guess I was prepared with the U.S. coming back for it to be anticlimactic. But boy, howdy, that was climactic. And that was very was. World Cup. Was. To be reactionary. This is sort of a, uh, yeah. I wish Chris Hardwick were here. It's like, this is like talking dead or something like that. Yeah. Uh, us coming from uh, from the bar, having watched yeah. the U.S.-Wales match. It feels very World Cup-y where we had moments yeah. of highs and lows, right? Yeah, it was doubly uh, disappointing because we uh, we were up, we lost uh, in the, I, I, we didn't lose. It felt like a loss. We we conceded a goal in the 80th minute, and then you and I were schooled by a couple of Englishmen in pool shortly thereafter, which felt like a double loss, Brandon. I I, I think we needed <laughs> we needed a heroic win in pool to really. Save the day, uh-huh. and sadly, uh, that was that was not forthcoming. So, we are we are double losers today. Uh, but we are we are we're professionals. We're going to come at you and give you a little uh, recap of what happened today and a look ahead to what happened tomorrow. So, Brendan, before we get to the U.S. Wales match, let's kick things off with uh, England six, Iran two, an eight goal. I guess I wouldn't call it a thriller exactly, but I thought the first half was extremely dominant by England. I was really impressed with uh, a couple of the goals. I think Bellingham's opening goal was was terrific. Uh, Saka's, would you call that a volley? It was kind of a volley, right? It was sort of a. Sure. I don't think he. I don't think it touched the ground at any point, right? He he sort of got the ball and 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 knocked it's fine. He it scored a the, goal. Uh, we don't have to. We don't have to like classify it like this is a museum of of goals here josh it was like Saka scored a goal and it was great Saka so, scored a goal uh, yeah i and I, I, I love the uh it was the revenge of the euro cup pen takers it's it true. said that sancho wasn't there to join into the party but yeah it's true. uh with with rashford and Saka both doing the business against Iran. he went to man united that was his choice brandon you know <laughs> sure. with, with the all that got comes paid. that the man got <laughs> paid and that's all well and good but it's it's true i thought Saka was brilliant today england yeah. was fantastic and then it, it, it plays into the conversation that we're having yesterday about Ecuador versus Qatar like who was was the story that Qatar was really bad or was the story that Ecuador was that good and that yeah. plays into Iran versus England and I think this is I I'm curious to see over the next few days does this bear out to be true is the thread going to be through the first week of the World Cup 
good teams are really good and bad mm-hmm. teams just tend to be bad or mediocre teams or whatever. It's going yeah. to be the stark contrast because, uh, you know, we, we thought as followers of club football in Europe, particularly the Premier League, uh, you know, the, the it's a gripe that you interrupted the club season to bring these top players to Qatar to play the World Cup. Well, mm-hmm. it turns out if you bring these great players to Qatar in the middle of the season, they're less tired, they're less fatigued than they right. would be after a full 38-game week season. And what we saw from England today against Iran, I think it was evidence of like, wow, these top players are great and they look not yeah. fatigued. It doesn't matter. They've not played that much together. And uh, I'm a little afraid of England at the moment, thinking that we're going <laughs> to, as, as, as Americans, yeah. we're going to face them on Friday, right? That's a good point. I mean, we sort of thought of this as like an unprecedented tournament, right? Nothing like this ever happened before. But of course, the African Cup of Nations frequently comes, I think it's every three years. I don't believe it's every four years. It, it, you know, it occurs in, in January typically. And uh, that typically pulls away the best African players. Uh, and, you know, for example, last year, uh, we had Sadio Mane and uh, Mo Salah basically go in the middle of the club seasons, right? And, and join. Um, Join uh, Egypt and Senegal, and uh, th- those teams made the finals, right? Those were those were you know kind of kind of the same situation, right? We had two kind of players in the middle of their club seasons joining yeah. these two um, uh, these two countries. So yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think um, you know you sort of talked about the good teams being good, the bad teams being bad. I mean, I think the U.S. Wales game was an example of what happens when you have two kind of B plus squads uh, meet each other, yeah. right? Which is that you get a woman draw. I was I got salty on Twitter. Because uh, I was being a poor sport, but I I, I, I suppose with the with the ben- I know <laughs> this is my style, uh, but I with the benefit of hindsight, I will acknowledge that I thought we were certainly in control in the first half of that match. I felt like we let our sort of foot off the gas in the second half, but. Uh, I will also acknowledge that Wales was probably a little more dominant in the second half. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, if I call it a, a straight up tale of two halves, Brandon, but I yeah. feel like certainly Wales uh, were a lot better. Uh, Daniel James going off really made <laughs> made a huge difference uh, for Wales, and I, I certainly they were they were they were pressuring Matt Turner a lot more than they had in the first half. I mean, the first half there was basically <laughs> I, 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 was there a single shot on goal in the first half for for Wales? I'm not sure there was. The U.S. basically held the ball for 100% of the time in the first half, and I think yeah. our hoarse voices sort of tell the tale a little bit <laughs> yes. here. But um, sure. it is, it's an interesting phenomenon, like beyond the World Cup, of like why is it that a team that can be so dominant in the first half can then have to deal with a whole different set of circumstances in the second half? Obviously, m- management has their say, you know, you come into the locker room, you rejigger the tactics and all that, you right. adjust to what you, you see in the first half. But the U.S. was so dominant against Wales. And our complaint or our fear about the U.S. coming into the World Cup was Greg Berhalter and the U.S. management. And are they really are they really tough enough? Are they really tactically acute enough? And I, I, I feel like, during the first half of U.S. Wales, I was like, "Oh, I wholly underestimated Berhalter in this U.S. U.S. squad. Right. They are dominating." And then the second half, you feel like, "What? What is it in a tournament like this that you have to? What does it take to keep whatever pressure you have from the first half going into the second half?" And yeah. um, I, I almost feel guilty complaining about it because what the result was was probably the first great match of the World Cup. 
uh, England mm. came in early in the day, day two, and scored a lot of beautiful goals, and it was a wonderful yeah. sort of coming out party for Gold Fest World Cup. Netherlands, Senegal was a good tactical um, match, but I don't know. Maybe it was because I was so emotionally invested in Wales, U.S., but I felt like that one was a down and dirty street ball yeah. sort of a match uh, through various phases. And I am so <laughs> absolutely disgusted that the that the U.S. ended with a point there, but I am also <laughs> so emphatically like rejuvenated and full of World yeah. Cup adrenaline having watched the U.S., Wales, because I think if you're new to the tournament, you're new to football, that was the match. It was just, yeah. particularly the second half, it was just like blow for blow, rocky match yeah. sort of a thing. Uh, and uh, I, I just can't believe that we couldn't pull it through. You must be so disappointed too, right, Josh? Well, uh, certainly I, I felt it in real time. And I think, um, you know, if I can take off my U.S. goggles for a second, it's a good reminder that, that the, the stakes were pretty high for Wales as well, right? I think it was, was it their first tournament. I think it was 1958 was it the last time that they uh, yeah, had played I mean, in a Come World on, Cup. like Michael Sheen, like the amount of viral internet that Michael Sheen has sucked up. <laughs> I felt so good that the U.S. was sort of like, all right, Wales, you're just like anybody else. There's nothing yeah. special about being from farmland uh, that makes you like, <laughs> well, like, yeah. a, like Listen, an interesting I, World Cup nation. I was I was born in rural Michigan. Okay, the, yeah. I, I was born in the the same the same kind of farmland. Right. But right. I I you know I, I think ba I think Bale did. I, I, I we were talking after the match, and you know you and I watched this one in person, which we often don't get a chance to do anymore. And uh, we were talking later about whether Bale had a good match or not. But ultimately, Bale did what a savvy veteran does right which is he yeah. found a, a moment to win a pen yep. and he he took it and you know you can say whether whether that match uh deserved a pen or not um doesn't really matter right because that's what uh this is what kevin de Bruyne did in a premier league match <laughs> yeah. just three Against weeks Fulham, ago right yeah. like yeah exactly uh, you know a really smart player yeah. is gonna find u.s connection anthony robinson dove in on de Bruyne and gave the penalty for that and i yeah, yeah. and i think this this as a as u.s fans and it's it's sort of a writ large across any nation. Like, where are you drawing your pool of of national team players from? Yeah. I think this match should be the death knell for Major League Soccer players because the U.S. looked <laughs> so <laughs> cogent, competent. We look good. Like, I cannot believe I am here. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy to be here saying the U.S. looked so cogent at this international level. Save the Major League Soccer players. And Zimmerman yeah. in center back is a joke. Like, and, and okay, like I'm sorry, I'm I'm <laughs> gonna let you talk. Jordan, I'm gonna. You didn't think that Jordan Morris changed the game, Brandon, <laughs> yeah. when he came on in the uh, 80th I'm minute. gonna let you finish here, Josh, but I have to get on my soapbox. I am so disgusted at how many people hated on Tim Ream coming into this World was Cup. Everyone was like, "Oh, why does why did Ream get called up to the squad?" Yeah, Miles Robinson had an injury, et cetera, et cetera. But Ream looked so good against uh, against Wales. He was competent. He was control he was as much as he could controlling. And then Zimmerman, who would have been the preferred center back pairing with Miles Robinson, who was injured, blew it. And he went in like the most insanely rash challenge and blew the the three points for the US. So I just want to say Yeah. Uh, particularly when you're talking about a, a team like Wales who had a lot of like sort of like quote unquote over the hill veterans with Bale and Ramsey and 
uh, players like that who who deserve plaudits for their careers. Tim Ream came in and did a job for the U.S. And I, yeah. I, I think that the stakes are so high in matches that are this tight. Wales, U.S., like it was like it's such a romantic game. Like the stakes were properly high and yeah. uh, Zimmerman was not there to, to, to play to them, I think. Well, let's let's give credit to Pulisic for uh, a brilliant pass to Tim Weah. Uh, Tim Weah, uh, yes. Also, an extremely good finish. Uh, I'm not sure if it was one. I think it was one touch. If he if he took another touch, it was very very fast and uh, really nice side footed shot. Uh, about as perfect as a goal gets. Honestly, yeah. it was just a beautiful goal. Um, it was so nice yeah. that it, I I almost couldn't believe it went in when it happened in real time. You know, it was yeah. everything was so so snap back. It, it was like the kind of goal you'd seen. In club football honestly it was it was a yeah. really nice goal to see international so let's that's the u.s <laughs> we could go on about that but there were there were other matches today as well i think with england it was um it was just a very dominant performance i feel like what i saw from that match was a feeling that england actually and you and i are necessarily on the same page about this but i feel yeah. like that was a world cup I, I was I was a little I, I was feeling more confident than you were going to this kind of tournament that England could win the World Cup and coming out of that match mm-hmm. I felt even better because the the squad is just so stable right over over multiple cups now that that squad has stayed remarkably stable it's the same squad effectively you know with the addition of Jude Bellingham that went into the you know um, World Cup 2018 that went into Euro 2020 which of course yeah. was played last year because of COVID so you know there's a lot of um, uh, stability within that squad and I felt like um, that really came through in today's match it just felt like a team that really knew how to play together. The scary thing about England, like if you're opposing England, is I agree with you, totally stable, but the changes that Southgate made were so seamless. Kieran Trippier coming in at right back for Kyle Walker makes the team better. Jude Bellingham, as you you, you shouted him out, Josh, coming in for Calvin Phillips makes the team better. So for all those England fans or England haters who say, England were lucky to get to the semifinal of the World Cup or the final of the Euro. Yeah. Man, yeah, they're they're here to sound off again. Now they've yeah. played a weaker opposition in Iran, and I'm curious to see what they look about uh, when when they play a tougher opposition. But based on, yeah, what we saw against Iran, we're like, holy crap, this is the best team we have seen so far through two days. Uh, uh, undoubtedly, although I, I I did think Ecuador looked better yesterday than than you did to a degree, and then uh, the Netherlands Senegal match was was sort of uh, it's kind of interesting, right? We didn't have uh, Sadio Mane for Senegal, unfortunately, he's out for the tournament, and then uh, Memphis Depay as well uh, wasn't quite at full fitness, and so he came in as a sub uh, around the 60th minute. I thought that. Uh, it was a pretty, honestly, it was a fairly even match. You know, two nils the final scoreline, but that includes a a very late goal scored by by Netherlands, uh, right mm-hmm. at the end. And then and then our boy Gakpo right at the end there, Brandon Cody Gakpo Todd, scores, son of Todd Gak, <laughs> Todd, yeah. son of Todd Gak. He scores a, a really nice goal. One of those goals that it's like. It's actually it's it, it was it was just a it was, it was just a very aesthetically pleasing goal because it's it was a backwards header right the ball sort of comes in and he just sort of heads it behind him and 
he and the keeper, no one even kind of knows where that ball's going to go, right? <laughs> it just sort of goes goalward. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately that was, that was the, the difference in that match. And then, um, I, but I, I think otherwise it was, it was, a, it was kind of a cagey match. I mean, neither squad was quite at full strength and, um, but you know, so I, I'm not sure that I have any great conclusions that I would draw from Senegal Netherlands other than Netherlands were, yeah. were just that little bit better, which we kind of expected. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think, yeah, the Senegal-Netherlands match was one for the the diehards and the academics, and that's one that, you, you know, if you're new to the World Cup, go back and sort of think about that match a bit because those teams were so evenly matched, and the sour yeah. note on day two was that Sadio Mane being absent from Netherlands. You watch, I, I feel like that scoreline flattered Netherlands a bit. I thought yeah. Senegal looked really good, and if they had... A fit Sadio Mane, third place for the Ballon d'Or. Uh, even uh, Cody Gakpo. <laughs> yeah, even against Gakpo. <laughs> I mean, Mane would have had his say for sure. And I, I, the heart weeps a little bit for what could have been for Senegal in this tournament. But I think that they're broken a little bit, not having their, their talisman. In. And so, uh, and, and what I was kind of waiting for with this match was what's going to, what's, are either of these teams going to shout out Dark Horse? And I think my takeaway is don't worry about Netherlands. Don't worry about uh, Senegal. They'll probably, one or both may break into the round of 16, but I don't, based on today's evidence, I don't think this is a team that you have to watch out for in terms of, in terms yeah. of a, a bracket buster. No, I, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, I think of, of all the squads we've seen so far through, I guess. Uh, you know, we've seen eight eight of thirty two teams play so far, and I think England's the only one that you look at and think, okay, this team could possibly uh, win the World Cup. So, uh, just before we look at tomorrow's matches, Brandon, uh, as a resident kit man over here, uh, were there any kits that shone for you today in the World Cup? Or are there any that you really thought? I know you're not a fan of the U.S. kit. I'm sort of with you there. I think <laughs> sure it's, we uh, we don't need to go over yeah, that territory over it again. Yeah. Yeah, in in a World Cup like this, where we're in a dark age of kits uh, of uniforms, <laughs> the the simple and the traditional stand out, and the Netherlands with their bright orange classic uh, total football kit, just perfect. No notes. Uh, yeah. It has to be that uh, Senegal's kit. I thought was relatively uninteresting. U.S. bad, England bad. Here, here's what I have to say. If you're a na- if you're a nation that can 
field a kit that is all the same color. Like when England play in all white, white mm-hmm. top, white shorts, white socks, beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. uh, the U.S. has done that before. And I think if you can, if you can do it head to toe, that's great. And I think Holland with their orange, perfect. Yeah. So kit, kits yeah. today. The message is about simplicity, folks. I think I'm with you there. Like when Algeria, for example, plays in like an all green kit, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. very aesthetically pleasing. I really enjoy that. So sadly, Algeria, not not there with us today, Brandon. But uh, I think they they had a friendly yesterday. I think uh, they, they played. I think uh, our, our friend Riyad Mahrez played uh, 90 minutes yesterday. Beautiful. So if you, if you need a little green in your life, go watch some highlights from <laughs> from that match. All right, let's look ahead to tomorrow's games. We have our first four-day slate, Brandon. Uh, we only had three today because they pulled up that guitar match and played it on Sunday instead of Monday. So uh, tomorrow we're back to a more normal schedule. Again, these are English. Um, in- English. These are um, Eastern Standard Times, Brandon. So we have a 5 a.m. match tomorrow. Are you getting up for this one? Are you getting up for Argentina, Saudi Arabia at 5 a.m., Brandon? That's a negative, you know. So, you know, depending <laughs> on the time zone sort of thing, you've got you've to... You gotta like play your your chips when you can, and right. you and I we have full time day jobs, and you know today was one for me. Uh, uh-huh. We took the day off. We watched the U.S. It was a blast. It was fun. Wow. Tuesday has got to be a day for the man. So I'll give this one to the man. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm at. What about you? Are you? I mean, I mean, you'll you'll sort of like. How early will you? Will you dive no, into temptation? I'm flying to. I'm flying to. I'm flying to Qatar after this <laughs> okay. recording to go uh, watch that in person. Nice. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we have we have Argentina, Saudi Arabia as the early match. Uh, Denmark, Tunisia play after that. Mexico, Poland, which again I think is kind of the the match of the day. Uh, that's the one I'm most excited about. And then France, Australia play um, in the evening match. That that is to say, two p.m. Eastern time, that's as late as any of these uh, matches are going to be played uh, here in our Eastern time zone. I think that the France match is the one that I am maybe the most interested in because I want to see what that French team looks like without Benzema. Now, Benzema has not necessarily been a huge part of France's national team for many years because of his um, sexual blackmail situation, Brett. And that's not anything you and I <laughs> like to bring up on this podcast. Yeah. That's not that's not what we're it has about. To be done, it, is, it has to be done, though. It has to be done, though. This is just yeah. a fact. This is, this so, is underlying yeah. hardcore journalism right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he has been uh, certainly involved in the last couple of years with France. And so now that unfortunately he's out for the tournament, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, this is a team that is not exactly wanting for uh, absolutely brilliant players, but regardless, yeah. I think that um, they, they, you know, they did lose their, their talismanic forward on the eve of the world cup. And I'm curious what kind of impact that has on their squad. I'll put an Australia team that maybe isn't as, as solid as some of the vintage Australia teams of our past, Brandon. I mean, you and I are both both Matt Ryan heads, you know, big fans of uh, Australia's goalkeeper. But I'd say in general, this is not a team that there's no there's no Tim Cahill coming to that party, Brandon. No, that's a negative. I mean, even if they had a what, there, there must be a movie with a kangaroo with boxing gloves. <laughs> like even if Australia <laughs> gonna have uh-huh. a sort of like nice Joe cliche. kangaroo like sort, sort, sort of a player, <laughs> that would be better than whatever they've got going on. All respect to our uh, Australian listeners of, of of whom there are there are many and we love them but i i think mexico poland is jumps out to me in mexico we are like for the un, uninitiated if you follow college basketball in the united states mexico is tom izzo's michigan state this team is a tournament team 
they mm-hmm. often show like few bright spots in qualification, but they eke it out. And then when it comes tournament time, Mexico, turn it on. There is always a story to tell about Mexico when it uh, when it gets to the tournament. So I really want to see what kind of flair Mexico bring. And they're going up against Lewandowski, uh, the, the Polish number nine, who is one of the best strikers historically over the last decade around the world. Yeah. So it's really going to be, uh, um, I think, a, a masterclass between Mexico and, and Poland. I want to see that match. I'm excited about that match too. You know, Raul Jimenez was called up for the Mexican team. I would say that Raul Jimenez is one of my, I honestly, I go so far as to call him one of my all time favorite forwards in the premier league. I mean, I absolutely love watching him play and uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, obviously had this, this tragic head injury, which seems to have ultimately kind of derailed his career. I'm sorry to yeah. say it looks like he, you know, he really hasn't been the same for, for Mexico since then. But uh, he, you know, he was called up and this team is full of, uh, I mean, there's a handful of players that were involved in uh, MLS, right? So they have kind of a full season under their belt. Like you said, it's mean, just kind of a unique situation where you just have a lot of players who, um, they're just, you know, they're actively playing for their for their club squad. Did right you now, not hear my call out, Josh, about banning Major League Soccer from the World Cup? <laughs> Zimmerman. Zimmerman is the yeah. death knell in Major League Soccer. You're banned. You're yeah. out. You're yeah, done. looking now, I, I I thought there'd be more. It's uh, Hector Herrera is the only uh, MLS player who was called up for this this Mexican team. So I think the the situation with uh, with Poland is interesting. I mean, obviously you have. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly a reasonably balanced squad. I mean, you can say it's it's Robert Lewandowski, who is arguably a top five player in the world, uh, and and then a bunch of kind of mediocre players. But I mean, you have a, a bunch of very solid players in that squad, including a couple of Aston Villa players, Brandon. I mean, you have uh, Maddie Cash, Maddie Cash, know, we, Polish we legend. Called, <laughs> we got <laughs> called out on our Premier League podcast about um, uh, imagining a conversation between Emmy Martinez. And Maddie Cash, and not realizing <laughs> that Maddie, of course, Maddie Cash. If you were, if you were uh, amongst the Blitz on Warsaw, and you came across a guy named Maddie Cash, you really wouldn't know where to put him in the hierarchy <laughs> at that point in World War no. II. I don't think you would. Maddie, yeah, Maddie Cash think... to me only sounds Polish, Brendan. I can't imagine it being any other nationality. <laughs> so very yeah, Kaszowski. Yeah. Kaszowski, I think, is his family name. But I, I, yeah. I, um, I think it's true. Like they're, they're uh, Poland. Uh, it's probably overshadowed by how uh, big of a shadow that uh, mixing my shadow references there that Lewandowski casts that they have some good players too. And Mexico will not be favored to win this match or even get out of their group, which kind of makes me root for them a little bit more. Yeah, they're, I, I think they're roughly, I mean, they're, they're sort of in that second, third place territory. I'd say they're, you know, honestly, this match with Poland tomorrow is, is huge, I think, for both yeah. of them. I think whoever wins that match as a... Assuming one team does win that match, uh, we'll have a serious leg up going into uh, the next two matches in the tournament. And I think that you know, Mexico's World Cup history is kind of interesting. I mean, they're they're a country that actually you know did host the World Cup back in, in '78, and they're uh, but for for a country that has a you know a number of brilliant players and a, a long history of playing in the World Cup, they don't have a great World Cup history. They've actually never advanced past the quarterfinals of the World Cup. So uh, it, it, you know if they put were able to put together a really great run, you know semifinals uh, or even quarterfinals, I think that um, that would be great because th- this is a squad that has been together. It's a little bit like England, honestly, but I mean. Not with with quite as much. They haven't quite ascended as high, but this is a squad that won, uh, you know, the uh, 
Olympics many years ago. I don't remember this, Brent, about 10 years ago. They, in the, uh, in the, uh, when England hosted sure. the Olympics, uh, that Mexico team, uh, featured many of the same players who were on this national team, won the World Cup over Brazil. So yeah. it, there's, there's a lot of talent in this squad. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how it all uh, shakes out tomorrow. So I, I think that match is really fun. I think that Denmark-Tunisia is probably... Um, you know, kind of underrated match in terms of what it maybe means long term as well, because I, Denmark is sort of emerging as this kind of dark horse club. You know, shout out to um, uh, producer Louise Brandon, our one of our mm-hmm. Danish friends. You know, I'm really mm-hmm. uh, excited to see what we what we get out of Denmark. I, you know, I mean, for me, it's a. Uh, I, I like a lot of the players in the squad. I would love to see Denmark do well. Uh, huge fan of Christian Eriksen. Obviously, the the narrative of Eriksen is is incredible and. Uh, uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg is just a, a wonderful spitfire. You know? <laughs> I love you moving, well. moving from Christian Eriksen, who uh, almost died of heart failure, to just Pierre L. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I like fire and ice. Fire and ice, Brandon. You got the <laughs> whole, you got the whole mix in there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hip to the whole Denmark thing. I do think that it's... I don't know. It's almost like rooting for a cool indie band to win the Grammy Award or something like that. And and that's like that's not quite right. I'm not quite hitting it's the fun nail to have on the a hipster head there. Always fun to have a hipster favorite in the mix. And you know, Tunisia's honestly, I yeah, you know, I wouldn't put them quite in that category either, but Tunisia has a really solid team. I think they're they're a team that uh, I have to kind of go in with open eyes because there, there, there aren't a lot of players that most of us watching the World Cup will have. Even you and I who do a weekly soccer slash football podcast mm-hmm. don't have a ton of familiarity with with the players in this Tunisia squad. But they are, uh, you know, it's a, it's a solid team full of pros, Brandon. This is not this is not like a Qatar situation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the really, you know, so I, I'm really curious, you know, we'll know a lot more about both squads uh, after after tomorrow. And and then Argentina, uh, Australia, which we sort of, or excuse me, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, which we sort of skipped over. I, you know, I, I just, I, mostly because I just expect Argentina to really roll uh, over Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia in tomorrow's match. And it's possible the time you're listening to this podcast, that match has already been played. Uh, so maybe it'll look, maybe I'll look foolish when Saudi Arabia you know, stomps, uh, Argentina for not likely, but Josh have not likely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really, you know, this, this Argentina team, I think is, um, one of the easier Argentina teams to root for in some case, uh, in some ways the stakes are a little bit lower for them. Uh, they, there's a lot of pressure when Messi was in his prime. Now he's sort of past his prime, but the squad finally sort of got a little bit of a, like, a kind of over the hump, yeah. uh, last year when they finally won a, uh, Copa America and Emmy Martinez was really a, a big part of that. And so I don't know, I don't know how much a talismanic goalkeeper really matters. It certainly doesn't in, in like the National Hockey League. I don't know if that still matters in, you know, the World Cup or not. We're not, it not doesn't hurt. Yashin here, but yeah, it doesn't hurt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt. And I'll be rooting for Argentina. Part of me is uh, I am really invested in the anti-Cristiano Ronaldo, like come at me haters, I guess. But uh, anti-Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo narrative and it would be like amazing if Argentina wins the World Cup and they completely erase CR7's legacy from from the pages, <laughs> like as a photograph and Back to the it Future really or something end. like that. Yeah, it's true because <laughs> they they have a Euro and Messi's got a Copa America, right? So they're kind yep. of roughly equal now in terms of their accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a sense, and likability factor is definitely in play given Ronaldo's recent exploits. <laughs> yes. But I, this World Cup is shaking up to be like a. a a miserable failure for the Middle East. Iran 
one-upped Qatar and like how bad could a team be in this particular World Cup and if Argentina gets trucked to use your word Josh by Argentina it's just going to be a a disaster for the Middle Eastern states and you know so 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 be it but uh, yeah I'm I'm, kind of with Argentina on this one. Yeah, I am too, and I'm. I'm really. Uh, let's see, let's see what we get out of them tomorrow. I think it's. Uh, it's. They're. They're certainly. I'd, I'd say next to um, Brazil, the sort of the co-favorite or second favorite yeah. to win the World Cup. So let's see what we get out of them tomorrow. Really fun day. A lot of fun matches. If you're a neutral, we got the U.S. match out of the way, Brendan. So you and I can just enjoy uh, all the other games that are on for the next couple of days. <laughs> uh, and let's see what we got. Uh, and with that, let's end today's World Cup minute. Nice talking to everybody, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more World Cup talk. Thank you. Yeah, just a quick word, Josh, before we end. Like, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can get this podcast wherever you download podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. But chill out, hang out with us on YouTube. If you if that's your thing, subscribe, hit the like button, and all that, and screw FIFA and Qatar for not letting people wear um, the armbands that they want to. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.